Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Harmonious Living Podcast. I'm your host, Niamma. And if you're tuning in to this week's episode, then you will know that later this week, we celebrate Earth Day. I'm so excited to share this particular episode this particular week, especially as we are in the month of Ramadan, which many people around the world are currently participating in. And so hearing about the importance of fasting and its connection to our inner world as well as our outer world is so timely. And I'm super excited to rebroadcast this amazing interview with an amazing young man, Mashida Mooney, who is part of Cultivators of Light. I can't wait for you to hear from Mashida. Stay tuned. This episode of the Harmonious Living Podcast is sponsored by Harmonic Soul Wellness. Have you been doing the same thing and hoping for different results? Have you been looking to add more variety to your current eating habits? Are you ready for transformation from the inside out? Then the 90 Days to Wellness plant-based eating program is for you. Learn how to stop dieting and start eating to live. You can find us on the web at HarmonicSoulWellness.com or contact us at 619-892-8192. Greetings and welcome to episode 28 of the Harmonious Living Podcast with your host, Naima. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Mashida Mooney. Mashida is also known as a cultivator of light. His purpose is to spread love, wisdom, and joy through building communities and fellowship between all of mankind. In his two years of living in an ashram spiritual community, he developed the abilities and gained the knowledge of how to bring the ashram to the people. He is now part of a larger collective of the cultivators of light who wish to establish spiritual communities and make available for all another modality of living, which is in tune with spirit and nature. And Mashida happens to be my nephew. I can't wait for you to hear from him. So stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to episode 28 of the Harmonious Living Podcast with your host, Niamma. And today I am super excited to introduce this young man to you today. And I I believe that all of my guests are special, but this young man in particular is really special to me um, for a number of reasons, not the least of which because we share the same blood and um, I was there when he was born. And so I am just amazed at the young man that he is becoming. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Mashida Shabazz. Welcome Mashida. 
Thank you for having me on the channel, Auntie. It's a pleasure to be here and a wonderful opportunity to just share my own experiences and feel this sense of collaboration, a sense of fellowship and union, because like we're all wanting to be healthy. We all want to improve our lives and just beautiful to see it across all the different practices. Absolutely. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. So, um, and you know, for those who don't know, um, Mashida is quite a young man. He is 21. And at his young age, he has gathered so much wisdom already. So tell everybody where you're from and how you began your wellness journey. So born in San Diego, raised in Marietta, California. And for myself, it's very interesting because I had been sitting on this for a while as I've been kind of compiling how can I share my own information and my own experiences and I would say very unconsciously so my attunement has always been very much this natural way of living where I was always about at the path of least resistance and at that period of time like my younger years it wasn't that clear exactly that it was leading me to wellness and to better vitality more energy etc but when I had first began meditating, and that was to me the real start, is like when I first saw that the way I was going to go about my life in terms of pursuing money and all the material things that I first saw, this is not what I wanted. That was to me the first real eye-opener to my wellness journey was that this current paradigm I'm working with is not ideal. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I need better soil. I need better environment to grow in. And that's when I came upon meditation, the cultivation of one's own environment. And so I started this practice of meditation. And this had led me very, very quickly. I mean, this all happened in the span of weeks, so to speak, that once I started this meditation journey, I got affiliated with this organization, Self-Realization Fellowship. And through the book, Autobiography of a Yogi, and in this book, it had pretty much voiced all of my feelings I had in terms of like there being so much more to the world and just the expansion of the human consciousness and what humans can do. Like that book, just like, yes, this is all possible. <laughs> You're on the right path. And that confirmation, it was like everything I needed because there's one thing to hear about, you know, miracles and hear about all these fanciful things, but it's another thing to see it almost concretely like it just brings everything down to earth mm -hmm. and I needed that so much because the ideas were there but I was like how can I manifest this and shortly after getting affiliated with the organization I had a beautiful opportunity to spend two weeks at one of the ashrams which is like a spiritual community for those who don't know and in this space I first experienced vegetarianism I had first experienced deep meditations and it all happened together so I got to see that the diet is just as important as a meditation practice you know all these things the exercising all these things are very much equal in importance there's no high higher greater lesser greater but it's all necessary and those two weeks there like I said my first time touching vegetarian diet and really diving into it and it was like 
if you're eating good, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> that was my first thought. <laughs> and so after the two weeks back, I went back to, for the first day or two, like a normal diet. And I remember eating meat again after going for two weeks without in this whole space, I felt a huge vibrational um, degradation. And at that moment, it's like I was already functioning from the mindset, like I want to be at the highest vibration I can be. And to me, that was like, that was, that was my wellness, like taking increase my increase my vibration as much as I can each day to be happier each day and it's like what is bringing me happiness and what is not bringing me happiness and after I said it was experiencing the meat after the vegetarian diet I went right back to the vegetarian permanently I was like no this is I know what I need to do now <laughs> and then after that I was just in a space and preparation to spend my next two years from 18 to 20 in the ashram and so in the six months, I was just trying to really get into center with the practice, with my meditations, with just the lifestyle and like introspecting of what do I want most. And so after this, and so this conclusion was like, yes, spirituality, yes, this is in essence, this is all you really want. And from there, everything else will flow. And so when I went to this ashram, I'd say six months into it, I had then learned about veganism and then started switching my diet away from the dairies and stuff. And funny, because I wasn't very much into dairy in the first place. And it was just when I got to see like, oh, yeah, your thinking is accurate. Like, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> sweet. And so I started cutting that back. And then I learned more about the body needing more hydration, needing more energy. And so I started getting more into the raw foods of salads and fruit and increasing my intake of those. And I felt another boost of energy, another boost of wellness. And this had all led into fasting. And I started fasting very much kind of religious reason because every week at the, it's every Sunday in the ashram, we would have six hour meditation. And one of the guys there was like, if you fast on Saturday, then it makes the Sunday that much easier. And I was like, I need an easier six hour time. So <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely gonna try out this fasting. And when I got into the fasting, it was like really to me like meditation. And it really opened my eyes because it's like, we don't know how chaotic the mind is until we sit to see. And like, oh wait, we're not as calm as we thought we were. And in that same way, it's like we don't know really the state of our bodies until we stop feeding and stop inputting stuff into the body and allow it to voice its own concerns. And the fasting allowed me to hear the hear my body, allow my body to speak to me more. Mm -hmm. And from there, it's like I started to just build this relationship with the body. And that was like the deepening in my, and I would say in essence, that's kind of where the, culmin the culmination of this wellness came to was like, it's fasting and listening to the body, truly listening to the body. And it's like identifying what are desires and cravings as opposed to the actual the body's needs. And it's been a beautiful journey because that's like meditation, how we expand the mind and go deeper within ourselves. The fasting brings about that same uh, mentality, that same state of consciousness. Oh my God. <laughs> you have said so much. Oh my God. <laughs> And it's like, I just love it all. And what the, the, 
thread that I see running through what you've said, one about, you know, the seeking of the silence and the quieting, but also the listening. And I think that's something that I talk about all the time that, um, you know, our bodies have their own intelligence. And so, but it's a matter of listening to them to find out what we really need. And it's different for every person. And so when you began your journey with fasting, number one, did you do any research about it first or you just kind of dove in with, with both feet? And then number two, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned about yourself or breakthroughs that you had once you started fasting? Yeah, so definitely I had started fasting. I kind of jumped right in and I did research afterwards, but like when I first heard about this from this, this guy at the ashram, I was like, it was coming up that weekend. So it wasn't much time to research. And so I dove into it. But what was awesome was that the guy who was, I was talking with was an actual doctor and he was practicing in Brazil and he incorporated a lot of you know, meditation, other practices into his holistic um, work as a doctor. And so from that point of view, I guess I had really nice firsthand knowledge. He taught me a lot about intermittent fasting as well, how it boosts the human growth hormone and all these other benefits. And from him, I was like, okay, I got to see the benefits side to it. And, and that kind of laid the foundation, but a lot of, um, I think we, how can I best describe it? I think we kind of underplay our own experiences and our own ability to listen where it's like there's a lot that we can also learn through I don't want to say trial and error because that's also a kind of a negative way of looking at it but through just being present like when you sit to meditate I mean there's only so much one can tell you about meditation before you got to do it mm -hmm. and <laughs> in the same way it's like with fasting um each day we find more and more benefits by scientists that are proving you know, why one should be able, should take a break from eating for a certain period of time. And so this started a very physical mindset with the fast. And I was like, I want to improve health. You know, I wanted more energy, my, work my workouts, et cetera. And lo and behold, before I knew it, it's like I started to fast more often or you know, twice a week. And then sometimes then up to... Um, essentially three days a week 72 hours a week and I feel this really led deeply into a lot of my spiritual breakthroughs within the ashram and it's a lot of a deepening within the self because um and it's just as I was kind of coming onto this channel just thinking kind of sitting being present um one of the thoughts that came to me was this prayer and fasting that Jesus talks about as well. And this was the two words together. And I was kind of looking back, I was like very much my latter portion of the ashram life was just diving into fasting and prayer meditation. Mm -hmm. And within this, I really got to see the power within the body. And as well as because like once you're in, in a fastest state, like three days or more, once you really start diving into it, you start feeling immense amounts of energy. This feels like euphoric, really. Mm -hmm. And this euphoria, when I went, when I went to go sit to meditate, it just allowed my meditation to deepen that much more so, as opposed to having them to sit down and wait 15 minutes for the mind to 
<laughs> trying to calm down a little bit before it can start to even start trying to even meditate. It's like I close my eyes and the body's already in the harmonic state. And I think that's the other things like fasting creates harmony within the body. And without this harmony, it's hard to bring down thoughts. It's hard to manifest. It's hard to, you know, be able to be of service truly. Because one of the things as well as fasting has brought to me and the ability to manifest like music, creativity, like for myself, it was like kind of going back. It was always there. But I was like, how can I transmute this into a physicality? How can I bring this forward? Mm-hmm. And so much more, so much so through the practices of you know, fasting and then my daily meditations, I really got to it was just spontaneous that I didn't have to think about poetry or like having to sit and like write down a poem. It was like, okay, I can look and, and, and the body, the mind just naturally pours forth its own creativity and and I guess that kind of goes back to the very initial statement I kind of made where the path of least resistance where mm-hmm. the meditation brings you to that path of least resistance so your mind can fu- function fully it's able to manifest what it needs to and that same way the body when fasted when in a healthy state is the path of least resistance it's able to bring forth what the mind wants to bring forth into the body and Mm-hmm. and it's kind of just getting out of my own way was a big part of all of this journey was just like the body is perfect the, the mind all these things are perfect it's like I just need to get out of the way yeah. <laughs> well said so well said absolutely and I love that you you know talked about a holistic approach too because it it really is and that's a big part of why I name, you know, this podcast, Harmonious Living. That's why so much of the focus that I have is on harmony because, you know, not just the fact that, um, you know, my musical background and musical pursuits, but just harmony in the body. It's like, that's a state that we want. That's a state that we want in our minds. And, you know, just to have things flowing together without resistance, you know. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. So um, I think this is a good place for us to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about um, the fasting because you did a challenge to yourself with an extended fast. And so I'd like the listeners to hear about what that was like for you. So stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> and welcome back, everybody. And I'm just Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this conversation with Mashida. And before the break, we were talking about his introduction to fasting and the revelations that it brought about for him. And initially, it started out as um, kind of more shorter term fast, but then it evolved and he actually challenged himself to a 30 day fast. And so, Mashida, tell everybody about um, what did you? experience with that and how did you do the fast because I think you know a lot of people are not necessarily familiar with there are many different ways to fast so kind of talk Mm -hmm. about how did you do it and what was it like for you definitely and um I love to just say before going into the fast and I kind of what prompted this in the first place was I had been doing like a week fast here and there and kind of just going back to I really just started to feel 
it's almost like not fasting, so to speak, whereas I started to feel more and more energy through the state. And so I was like, okay, I want to undergo a 30 day fast. And a couple of guys at the ashram with me, because I mean, everybody knew me as a big fasting enthusiast there. And so they're like, I want to do a long fast. Like, so let's all do it together. And I was like, of course, I love fasting. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started and for my so how I broke up the fast is so essentially like in categories uh, starts with water fasting, juice fasting, and dry fasting, the three big ones that we hear of, we speak of today. And the real idea I kind of want to get across with fasting is really to not intake solid foods. That's like the real big crucial thing here is not so much of being strict to only drinking water or because there's too many protocols out there really and they all have some success and mm -hmm. so really for myself and how I see it's like by just stopping the intake of food you will notice benefits and from there you can start going to different levels as your body speaks to you but so for myself at this point in time like I had already been fasting very religiously so to speak and have been diving into a weekly with three days fast 72 hours every week and intermittent fasting as well and so going in, I already felt very strong and confident. And the first three or four days was water only. And I want to start with the water only because it is more intensive as well as it allows, I mean, it's a deeper detox. And uh, so that's also what I was kind of looking for in this first couple of days was to really kind of dive as deep as I can with this before going into the juices. Mm -hmm. And within this three to four days, I really got to experience a lot of the, the, the inborn life energy, so to speak, that I feel so much that we kind of forget how, how much and how much essentially is like we're energetic beings that like we're electrical beings that mm -hmm. and so much things can be sustenance for us like a smile makes us feel warm and we have the energy through us we're not hungry mm. and so all these little things that we forget of you know some creative work helps focus the mind and helps produce energy and so there's so many ways to stimulate this vital energy within ourselves and fasting really helps to explore new ways explore ways to even connect with others. There's so much times we connect with purely food and stuff. And it's like, why not go out for a walk in nature and let that be your, your revitalizing because like the sunlight is nourishing us. The water and the air is nourishing them. There's just so many things that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. And just, I guess almost like, I guess like being thankful for each day is kind of what, what it really came down to because all these elements, all of nature is supporting me. And that's what those first couple of days I saw a lot like, if I felt very weak and I said, I've been sitting inside my room for a couple hours, I go outside to my porch and in this fasted state and just lay there and let the sun kind of bask on me for half an hour or so. And I don't feel tired or weak anymore. I feel much more energetic, even though, I mean, I hadn't ate anything and all these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was quite beautiful to really expand, like, what is food? What is know what is energy like what is you know what is bringing happiness what is it bringing life and 
as I got in this couple of days, I got to really explore. And then this is what led me to eventually hopping onto the juices because one of the things was that um, at the ashram, we do service each day and I worked in the gardens and stuff. And so it was kind of point where it's like, I want to be more present and less withdrawn, withdrawn because one of the things that is not spoken of a lot with fasting is as you're fasting, you're raising your vibration. And this can be good. And this can also kind of create in harmony outside because of your functioning from this state, then you think everyone else's ego thinks everyone is like you. <laughs> <laughs> and so it kind of helped to um, just kind of be more present and see like, wait a minute, like I need to be more present with the people I'm working with. And so it's like kind of balancing the consciousness to be more receptive. Mm -hmm. And so I incorporate the juices a lot. And that is very helpful and tremendous because especially one of the things I advocate as well as orange juice, citrus, because citrus is so powerful because it is astringent. It helps remove the toxins and other mucus within the body. And we think it's very acidic, but it's only acidic outside. Once it enters the body, it becomes alkaline mm -hmm. and very healing and nourishing like one of the ancient remedies that they use daily in um, Japan is like lemon water, mm -hmm. hot lemon water. And it's like, right. people talk about lemon to hundred because of that remedy. Mm -hmm. And it's just very simple practices. And so this fasting was very much a lot of the orange juice, um, lemon water. And then I incorporated some vegetable juices as like a grounding thing, because when we start talking about this, this energy, we start talking about vibration. Mm -hmm. And we know certain fruits and certain things produce different vibrations. It's we can feel it when we eat certain things as opposed to others. And so I love taking some carrot juice in the early morning, either before or after my meditation, because it's a very grounding feeling to get the day started mm -hmm. and plan out the day because I also was giving people tasks and stuff during this period of time. So to help get grounded to start the day and be able to do all that and then as time went on during the day like we hit midday drink some orange juice because it's more energetic more vitality and kind of just playing with those juices as the fast progressed and in this fast like i said it kept it kept almost like removing more and more layers of what kind of almost like my idea of like what it what it means to be vibrant so to speak because of the amount of work I was accomplishing uh, at a certain point like initially the first couple of days I definitely lost some weight and then after that the body started picking it up off of juices and started balancing itself mm. and that was going to a harmony it's like we almost take for granted that word when it's like truly harmony means balanced weight as well and mm -hmm. it's like by just focusing on creating peace and harmony within the body all these other things will start being taken care of and so this fasting kind of let me start to dive almost like deeper and deeper into the essence of health itself mm -hmm. and i got me to see is like the importance of being out in nature is health and so it's like each day as much as i can whether it be standing outside and taking a couple deep breaths and being thankful i'm alive i mean that is health that will bring wellness Mm -hmm. And just this all in this kind of and started really tying together the mind and body really in this fast where it's like I got to see how much of my body, how much my body is affected by my mind and vice versa.
And so it's like, if I'm feeling lethargic or tired, just use a mental affirmation. Like I am light, I am love, I am peace. And your body starts to get more happy, starts getting more peaceful. And then those things start to kind of fade away. And it's like, wow, this is something that's like magical, but it's like, it's really not it's just the mind and the body connection. Mm-hmm. And so there's the journey. It was beautiful for that experience to really hone in and become more aware of this mind-body connection and the potency that the human vessel itself is capable of. Absolutely. And it's it's such a magnificent, such a magnificent vessel for our spirits, you know, that's been created. I mean, the way that it all works together and without us even thinking about it, like you said earlier, you know, we take so much for granted. And um, something that you touched on too that I always talk about is our relationship with food and our ideas about how much of it we need, um, our habits and practices around unconscious behavior with it. Um, We have a a love-loathe relationship with it many times, you know, where it's like, we like to, you know, everybody loves to eat, you know, we like to taste good food, we like good taste, but at the same time, you know, if it's, if we're eating the wrong combinations of foods or, or too much of those things that aren't serving our bodies, then, you know, we're, we're suffering as a result of it. So it's like, it can be a tool for our healing or it can be a tool for our um, destruction. You know, it's, it's really deep. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> it can be medicine or poison. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And so to that point, I would love for you to tell um, the listeners about your experience with gardening. And um, you and I had a really cool conversation at one point about it being like um, a metaphor for life and some of the lessons that you learned with gardening. So talk about how did you learn to garden? Mm -hmm. And this is very, the whole experience is very funny because one day I was out on the farm and I think I was either picking some fruit or something. And the current um, farm manager at the time was like, hey, Mashita, we're starting this project in the vegetable garden and we'd like someone to oversee it. Would you be interested? And I was like, the only farming experience that I have is, you know, is maybe doing some decorative stuff for my dad. <laughs> but I was like, yo, why not? Because part of this whole mindset was like, there's nothing I cannot achieve. And that's just kind of this cultivation. It was like new experiences is something to look for because that's just another step that you're conquering. And mm-hmm. every step you take, there's more willpower is being brought into your presence and you just feel that much more capable. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is a challenge I need to take on. And so I started and the head monk there who was in charge of this had spent quite a few years within uh, natural farming. He, during his college years, he spent a couple of years um, working with um, a very famous guy, I can't think of his name at the moment. And so he learned a lot within this period of time. And so it was very nice to have him there to really bring the spirituality with the practice. Because one thing to be a farmer and it's one thing to kind of just to see the spirituality within the practice of it and mm-hmm. to bring it back to the meditation. So it's not just I'm doing farming for busy work, but it's like, you know, everything's going back to the growth of myself. 
And one of the things he said, and I'll just say this quote now so you guys can see it, kind of like the mindset I was taking when I, do when I dove into this. The quote he used all the time was, uh, we don't grow plants. Like he says that people don't grow plants, plants grow people. Mm. Mm, and, I saw, and I heard that and I was kind of sad with that I was like okay I, I can see what this is all about yeah <laughs> I was <Absolutely>. like, okay okay <laughs> and so that was like the the pillar of kind of where I built my whole practice off of and one of the first things kind of going back to listening was mm. I forgot I very first started very much a do 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 mindset of farming then it started getting to like listen 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 mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's beautiful because it's so the parallels are almost there all the time where environment is such a crucial factor to one's well-being and yes. to one's own growth of self and many times we are to some extent aware of our environment but are truly not aware of the levels it's affecting us from what you see on TV to what, what people around you to there's so many things that we are taking in that we are unaware of. And with the farming, I got to see like an environment being a soil and each of us are like seeds that the creator has planted in this. And it's like up to us to cultivate ourselves as well as cultivate outside. And it's like each time it was like these parallels kept drawing together and deeper and deeper and this kind of what led to a concept that formed what's called divine culture and it's kind of part of what um my work is currently which is and this divine culture is because culture comes from the root cultist meaning to grow or to care for mm -hmm. and so we see divine culture is that one's own duty to cultivate their own divinity within and without and so as I was working with the plants and I first, like the mindset was like pull weeds and all these things. And it was like, I very much just had like early on in the spiritual path, we were trying to establish habits. We were trying to move things around. It's a lot of doing. Mm -hmm. And then once I got this initial framework of the gardens established, where I got the plants in the right beds, I had the, the mulch down and almost like a self-sufficient system was starting to be created. I got to start to focus on the listening aspect and I got to start to see it's like everything is just an opportunity for growth everything is an opportunity to look within mm -hmm. and so it's like if a plant comes up and it's like thinking oh that's a weed it's like wait a minute what is it for what is its use in the same way it's like when a thought comes into our mind take a step back what is this why has it come to me and what can I learn from it and then let go and from that place it was I started being able to see with these different plants with the weeds etc it was like everything has its own purpose in this divine play and my job would just kind of be this this link within this whole garden so it was like I stopped trying to take this mindset like, oh, I'm doing everything it was like <laughs> I'm just here to pick you guys in make sure you guys are all good <laughs> you guys are doing all the work here <laughs> wow that's beautiful that's so beautiful and um I can recall we were walking on the beach one day and um you were talking about on that concept of the idea of doing and you know we're so programmed in this in this country and it's part of this culture to be you know so much of human doing instead of human beings 
And um, I love how you talked about that we have to allow the universe to do its thing and not feel so compelled to be in the mix and doing stuff and thinking that we have to make stuff happen. It's like, there's an ebb and flow. There's a rhythm and a flow to this and a, a pattern and an order, even, mm -hmm. even if we don't see it because there's so much stuff happening beneath the surface. <laughs> and I love this comment on that because yes, that's the other thing that I want to mention was <clears throat> this cyclical nature that because I spent two years there, I, I was able to see the complete change of seasons from mm -hmm. spring all the way back to spring. And mm -hmm. so I was able to see the order, the chaos, all of it, each step of the way. And just that experience alone, this really brought me down to earth just to see the cycles of time manifest before my eyes. Where it's like, okay, I planted tomatoes and it's like, oh, I'm getting ready to plant tomatoes again. That meant mm -hmm. the whole season. And mm -hmm. so it was like a routine process started to form. And this flow started to form a very wonderful experience that I had during this and a couple actually. Um, one was I was with some, I was taking care of the zucchinis and doing some work there. And I saw this little baby bird and I went to go like, you know, look at it. And it was letting me pet it and all of this. And I was just shocked. But it's like <laughs> that attunement. It's like once you become part of this, the earth, then it's like the animals don't see you as a separate being coming you know a human doing it's like oh he's he's part of us he's just being present wow. <laughs> and then another beautiful time was it was starting to get ready to rain soon and we didn't know exactly when and i was trying to finish up the last bits before the rain started coming i was planting some seeds and stuff you know getting ready for the rain and and it's going back to the listening i noticed that the birds around were starting to go back to the trees and stuff i was like oh the rain's about to come the animals are starting to retire back so i was like instead of you know using my own human intellect i was like no i'm gonna do a little bit more you know i'm a, i have a better idea i was like oh they're going back now i should start heading back now mm -hmm. and then as soon as i arrived back into the farm building the rain started coming down i was like wow. Good thing I listened. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yep. Looking for those signs. They're always there if we if we're open. So I think this is a great place for us to take a break. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk about your experiences with yoga. So stay tuned, everybody. Tune in to you and make 2022 your year of healthy living with the 30 Days to Healthy Living program. Using this holistic program, you'll create a foundation for a healthy lifestyle, regardless of your current lifestyle. For more info, click the link in the show notes. And welcome back everybody. So before the break, we were talking about the ebb and flow and being in tune and listening. And I can think of few other practices which cause you to really listen and sense what's going on in your body than yoga. So tell us mm -hmm. about how you first um, began to um, get interested in yoga and um, how you um, kind of talk about the difference with the kundalini yoga that you noticed mm -hmm. so 
yeah um starting off I, I mean another beautiful experience and it's really anytime I look back in hindsight it's like everything is just so divinely planned um kind of I was mentioning how I started my initial journey with the meditation and part of this was like I wanted to do some yoga some yoga some hatha yoga I wanted to do some qigong and so the first thing I did was like I talked to my dad and I was like can we go to the bookstore so I can find a book on yoga and while I was there in the bookstore called Lady of the Lake while I was there um a guy from Jamaica happened to be there for the weekend teaching yoga class in Temecula yeah. <laughs> and he was like and we got you talked a little bit and he was like yeah just come on over to the class and like uh, you'd be chilling <laughs> wow. I was like well awesome <laughs> and so yeah after that experience and I'm like really able to dive and it's like it's funny because it also helped me to see what truly is a fit body mm. and a fit body is a mobile body. It's a body is able to do everything it needs to do. It's not constrained by size or anything. It's flexible. And mm -hmm. when I was at the class, um, I fancied myself on the stronger side. I fancied myself athletic. <laughs> and <laughs> and so after the class, my whole back was sore and my body was like, whoa, this is, <laughs> I'm clearly not that love I thought it was. <laughs> and so I really began my own journey. So I went back home and started practicing. And if I remember the name correctly, it was Iyengar Yoga that had first been introduced to. Mm -hmm. And so I started my own little practice of that through the book that he uh, told me about that I had in the buying at the store. And this really had led me to truly diving within the spine. Because part of this whole practice of yoga, and I think it should be emphasized more, is our spines are like our staffs upon existence. Like without our spines, we can't do anything. And the more spinal mobility you have, really, the more energy is able to come into your being, the more you're able to listen, because like the spine is like an antenna, really. And this practice, and so I first got in touch with this yoga there. And then at the ashram, we also did a couple classes a week. And I had the beautiful opportunity of meeting a great guy there who was taking or who was teaching and taking at the same time this um hatha yoga course by swami shivananda mm -hmm. i think called uh, divine life society and um within this he emphasized a lot on um with the spine so his whole sequence was starting from the crown chakra with the headstand down to the, the root chakra and it's like the whole practice is work on each chakra mm -hmm. and when i started doing this i got to see that it's all about like tuning our vessels, tuning his body. So it's like the yoga was like tuning this instrument so that we can better receive and project. And it was great because I really got to say dive into the spinal work. I really got to dive into this. And this all go, went right back to just the practice of my meditations and working with the energy in the spine. And this also ties into the breath work and stuff mm -hmm. because part of it is that yoga should be seen should be seen as a complete system that we're not just doing postures and calling it a day here that we're doing breath work here we are focusing on the energies through these postures and seeing it's like 
almost like the postures are secondary, but the energy is primary. Like in Qigong, they explain, they explain it beautifully where it's like the energy intention leads and then the movement happens. Mm -hmm. You don't move your arm and then the energy moves afterwards. The energy moves first. Mm -hmm. And applying that with the, the Hatha Yoga, the yoga was the same concept. It was like when I'm going to a posture or something, like letting the energy guide the movement. And that has allowed me to feel and open up more blockages within each asana allowed me to really dive into the practice more holistically as well because it was focused on harmonizing my energies as opposed to getting a certain body type it was just mm -hmm. like I want my balanced energies and that also that just led to the manifestation of the body being what it should be for a balanced state and the going to like the breath work as well where it's crucial and it should be incorporated with all the practice i mean yoga itself each asana you should be really doing breath work that's how it's designed mm -hmm. but definitely to take time if you're not conscious of that currently is to sit down maybe midway through an asana practice and just take and this doesn't have to be anything super complicated it could be some sort of pranayama or it could just simply be some deep breaths and just really just bringing it all back to center drawing it all back because it's like with the hatha yoga it's not about doing this you know it's about being and so each asana allows you to be fully present in that state it allows you to feel the energies working in, inside of you mm -hmm. because with the western mindset we see a lot of i need to do x amount of asanas and it's like the more is not better like mm -hmm. my philosophy is really a solid practice, a solid routine of, I mean, you can be up to, you know, 12 or so asanas. For myself, I do about 12 asanas each day and it's the same asanas every day, but because it's so holistic that the idea is, I mean, strengthen one body part, the whole body gets strengthened by that. So mm -hmm. when your spine gets stronger, the whole body gets stronger. When your heart improves, the whole body improves because it's got to go back to that. There is no sense of separation with the, within the body or the universe. It's only our ideas that create the separation. So when doing yoga or any other practice, how can I make it as holistic as possible? Because part of it is like, I don't have time in the day to do hundreds of asanas, you know, for <laughs> each part and in general. And people don't have time either. They know that, which is mm -hmm. why they are unable to keep a solid practice. But if you just choose a set of asanas that you resonate with as well because it's kind of going to like each person has their own constitution. So certain diets are better for others and than other people etc and so in the same light where it's like based off your current state of body certain asanas are more suitable for you and work with those specifically and the ones who have developed then explore more things but this idea of doing and almost like just wanting to do more just for the sake of doing more when it's like it's, it's about really the breath work and just being present because like what are you doing yoga for to harmonize the body Mm -hmm. not for any other accolades right absolutely and I think it's so funny because as you mentioned you know in the west there's been kind of this even though some people may say that they're not doing that but this sense of it being this athletic thing the spirituality being stripped and it just being like another form of exercise that just happens to have some breathing associated <laughs> with it you know yes, um <laughs> and so it's so important to 
the breath work is, is so necessary. I mean, it's like, that's the elephant in the room. Like without the breath, we have nothing, you know? And um, just like you said about the spine and, and I've even heard before, you know, that a person is as old as their spine is, you know, as, Mm -hmm. as old as their spine is flexibility. So that's something definitely to, to keep in mind. Definitely. The quote, um, you're as healthy as your colon and as old as your spine. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> you see that. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like that you made the comparisons with the different types. And um, now with the Kundalini, I know that that also, people tend to be more familiar with Hatha here. Um, but with the Kundalini, um, talk about how that incorporates like chanting and, mm. you know, other um, things and so there is a, a rigorous or can be uh, rigorous, you know, practices and things that um, you do with mm-hmm. with the Kundalini. Yeah, and so definitely, and it's one of those things where with the Kundalini yoga, it's extremely, it's very powerful because we're working with our essence here, and kind of going back to the spine, like the spines are one of my favorite analogies, like the spine is like the tree of life. Mm-hmm. And there's so much power within the tree of life. There's so much energy and to be able to, and that's one of the things I guess um, as part of this is going back to the holistic approach. And so like incorporating all of it together with um, the food you're eating, all your sort of purification exercises, all of this goes into your yoga practice. And so with the Kundalini Yoga, it's very much the same where it's because that also attracts a lot of people because people, especially in the West, they want to do the best thing. They want they need to know. And um, with this Kundalini, Kundalini Yoga is you're working with essentially like you're very, you're very nature here. And so it's very much important to take the approach of the breath work and diving into the chant and all these things because we have to see that all these things like it's all vibration and so chanting produces a higher vibration and the higher vibration is because it goes back to magnetism as well and that's kind of the thing is that like we are electrical beings as mm-hmm. well as spiritual we cannot forget this electrical part and so when we're chanting and producing these sounds these sacred sounds we are having a direct effect on our spine and this is pulling the energy from the the kundalini up from the root chakra from the base of the spine up and so the same with the breath work and these other practices where it's all about magnetizing the higher chakras so that energy can naturally start to move upwards because Mm -hmm. where our consciousness is at is where our mind is is where energy is at so if we're functioning from very base thoughts of just like food, sex, et cetera, then our energy is going to be down in the lower spine and we're not going to be able to feel the vibrant space. We're not going to be able to feel the peace, the harmony, um, all the other joyful feelings that come with higher experiences. Mm-hmm. And so the work of the Kundalini, Kundalini Yoga in essence shouldn't be one's endeavor to just raise a Kundalini alone, but to through a process, the holistic process of bringing higher and higher vibrations. And so 
like for myself with the fasting and all these other things were like how I mentioned to help with the easier meditations because it allowed the breath work to be that much smoother. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed this energy in the spine to work that much smoother. And so it kind of all goes back into this holistic practice of bringing in the breath work, bringing in the, the chanting. That's the thing with the Kundalini Yoga in the essence is a holistic practice it wants to raise the energy and so it's bringing everything possible together it's not leaving anything out all members are included here and <laughs> so it's like your, your your music what you listen to the chanting is just as important as any other thing and so it's like by bringing this chanting by bringing out the feeling of the heart by allowing the emotions to express divine love we're able to transcend human love we're able to be more in that space and that's also the idea because I feel like most of us have really experienced really heightened perceptions. I think all of us have had some experience more or less of something divine. Mm -hmm. And whether it be through chanting a song and you just feel a wave of peace, a wave of love, like that is spirit speaking to you. And or in the same state of doing a certain asana and you just feel like an opening of energy, like a release, like the whole idea with the kundalini yoga is to keep this energy rising upwards because like i said where our conscience is at is where the energy will go and so if we try to maintain the state of harmony the state of love the state of peace then the energy in the kundalini will always be coming upwards but when we start to think and we're based your thoughts we start to get into likes and dislikes and all the other things then the energy starts to go back down and the kundalini cannot rise anymore until that mm -hmm. is worked through. And so it's kind of going, it's like it goes back to this holistic idea, even with the kundalini yoga, it was like, it's very much the breath work is this foundation because without breath, we don't have life. Mm -hmm. And the breath can, breath can manifest, breath can bring energy, breath can calm emotions. And that's the other beautiful thing about this practice is that the ancients saw that for some people, it's harder to develop moral qualities because they just are lacking in some sort of understanding. But if you teach them a certain breathing exercise, they'll feel peaceful. And when you're in a state of peace, you're only going to do nice things. You're only going mm. to be helpful. Mm. It's only when you're in a state of dis-ease do you want to create discord in the world. But when you're in a harmonic state, then it's like you only want to bring forth more love and joy because that's what you're feeling wow. <laughs> and so the kundalini yoga that's the whole idea in essence like okay let's just get people working with the bodies to calm the mind working with the prana the life energy within us to calm the mind because by using the mind to calm the body doesn't always work for people and so it's kind of always goes back to like each person has their own individual constitution and in nature and so it's such a great tool and that's one of the things that I kind of been sharing a lot for myself is this power of the breath mm -hmm. that like the breath is of the age is like what I'm, I'm saying it is because with breath, we have life with breath. We have energy. Like how I was saying when we step outside each day and just take a couple of deep breaths, you'll notice any feeling of hunger actually disappears mm. because it's like you're taking in energy. You're taking in life around you. We have to see life is much more than in, what we're eating but life is everywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> and each breath you're taking in life and the more conscious you are of this the more life you take in and Beautiful. so yeah this this the, the pranayama the the life force control the breath work is fundamental because if one is struggling to do the calm themselves through other practices 
always rely on breath work. If you're restless, breathe deeply. And it's allowed this to always be your, your report, your place you can go back to, your temple. Mm-hmm. That's right. Let it ground you and just kind of like bring you home mm-hmm. to yourself. I love it. Love it. So I think this is a good place for us to take a break. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk about Masita's journey with um, YouTube and also um, as an author. So stay tuned, everybody. This episode of the Harmonious Living Podcast is sponsored by Harmonic Soul Wellness. Have you been doing the same thing and hoping for different results? Have you been looking to add more variety to your current eating habits? Are you ready for transformation from the inside out? Then the 90 Days to Wellness plant-based eating program is for you. Learn how to stop dieting and start eating to live. You can find us on the web at HarmonicSoulWellness.com or contact us at 619-892-8192. And welcome back, everybody. Man, this conversation is just so rich. I mean, (laughs) this is feeding the spirit. So um, I hope that you're eating it up. And... um, (laughs) One of the things that I'm so proud of Mashida for doing at his tender young age is that he published a book on Amazon at the age of 18. So tell everybody, first of all, what's the name of your book and what prompted you to become an author? And so the name of the book is the ultimate tarot guidebook. And the inspiration was kind of just like always kind of going back to the and I'd love to just draw this back to my one of my reasons for going to the ashram was to explore my creative potential where I never felt lacking and like it's kind of going back to it was like I've always felt I can do anything I want to do and mm-hmm. so it was like a matter of how can I bring it down and it's kind of been a big part of my life in general how can I bring down what I've learned and my experience is like, how can I know, convey this? And it's like, so writing has be, had to become the primary vessel because there I found I'm able to really share my thoughts, share my ideas in a way that it's easier to transmit because there's less of the exchange that I have to kind of adjust my speech to the person I'm talking with, but just I can purely write what just flows in me and let that be what it is. And... Mm-hmm. So with this first book I had written um, was, I saw very much with the tarot, the, and for those who don't know, it's the divination system using cards. And what I had really saw with my own practice of it was a lack of depth to it. And it really ties into... kind of like the superficiality that we see with other practices like yoga as well where it's not just like within a tarot community I see this but it's everywhere and so at that period of time 
that has been my main pursuit. And so I, I endeavored with that specifically. But what I saw a lot was people just only using divination to using the cards to exceed their love life or material <laughs> things or, you know, just very base stuff when it's like uh-huh. you're speaking with the universe here. Like, why not explore your full potential? Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to endeavor outside of just laying down kind of basic meanings of cards to get people with that mindset of I am speaking truly with the universe and use it as a tool for self-growth, use it as a tool for like enlightenment, so to speak, because for me, the whole idea is that you should be able to see the cards manifesting before your eyes everywhere. So it's not like you got to pull a card, but you see a situation, oh, that situation is the king of cups, for example. Like you're just able to perceive that clearly. Mm -hmm. And that's because you have internalized the system into your own being. And I really thank my, my dad for that, my father for that, because he was very big into the practice is you, is not separate from yourself. And so in my own book, I really was trying to push for, like I was saying, this systematic, this feeling of the tarot, the divination system and yourself being one. And the whole idea is to become one with it. Mm-hmm. Just like in yoga, the whole idea is to become one with the self. And so it's like really explore it for what it has to truly offer you. And that book that's really inspired much more as well in terms of my other little writing things that I have going on. But yeah, this this the main thing of wanting to be an author, wanting to be a, essentially wanted to be of service and to provide what I have learned because that's one of the things where it's like if if I know it to be true, like how can I want to make I want to help others learn it as well. Mm-hmm. And so I found that to say the best way was to you know, write books on it was to produce content about it so it can reach more people's ears and make it more widely known. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And I, and I love that you mentioned earlier in the conversation too this idea that, you know, you feel compelled and we all have a duty to, you know, share of that which we've learned and, um, you know, of the gifts that we've been given to help cultivate um, that radical self-love in ourselves as well as in others. And I say that radical because in a world like this, (laughs) we are not naturally taught that as a first line of of defense. We're not naturally taught that it's something that we have to um, relearn or deprogram in order to come to that space, you know. Um, And so, or I would say, you know, very few of us are taught that right out the gate. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I know one of the things, in addition to writing that you have started doing to share and to serve with the knowledge that you've gained is you've started a YouTube channel. So tell everybody about your YouTube channel and um, what kind of things you're posting there. Yeah, so with the YouTube channel, and I started this in the ashram because it's going back to it, just like I had a plethora of just stuff that was like, I just want to share just for the sake of sharing. And my YouTube channel is very much, is essentially it's like a how to live channel. Whereas like tune in there to really, 
get grounded and understand the true values of life and kind of organize your life accordingly to what is most important. And it's like that self-love is that radical self-love is most important mm-hmm. because if you're not happy, you can't make others happy. That's right. Like, that's just, it's just, at this point, it's almost like being practical here, mm-hmm. which is like, if you want to serve <laughs> others, you got to be able to be of service and that's you can't right. do so if you're in a state of disease because you're only right. going to create what you are. That's and right. so for myself, like this YouTube channel, it was just lots of ideas, lots of just experiences, things that I have found to be true within this ashram experience, like the, the importance of practicing the presence, like just being mindful of, and for some, it could be called God, for some Allah, for some spirit, whatever, but to be conscious of this, this higher divinity, this thing that connects us all, because at this point in time, it's like we have to, whether we willingly or not admit that like there is something outside of ourselves that connects all of us. And no one can truly deny that we feel it innately. We feel that so deeply. And so the practicing the presence, one of my videos is like to constantly draw on this presence that we feel and allow it to permeate our lives. Because the more we draw to this, the more we feel this, the more easy life becomes, the more less stressful it becomes because you see that this force is guiding your actions this force is guiding all actions mm-hmm. and so at that place is like how can i get worked up if this is guiding my actions and so mm-hmm. it forces you to calm down because like <laughs> it takes away the power to feel like you're one doing all this stuff you know and so it is just really helpful one of my videos is really helpful to bring that to center and then i go into fast and i go into meditation i go into different diets incorporating more raw foods into one's lifestyle and the importance of environment as well because they like said it's a holistic practice where i found in my ashram none of these things can be done away with mm-hmm. where it's like everything just as important i have found that when one thing's lacking when my diet has strayed away my meditation suffer and so it's like my exercise and quality decreases my fe- my flexibility is affected actually as well mm-hmm. and that was one of the things and um, part of my YouTube channel was, is like essentially bringing the spiritual community to you guys, to everyone, because it's like, I was able to bask in an ashram, but how many people have the opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I saw, it was, I am blessed to be here. And I was, every day I was, I am blessed to be here. When I woke up and looked outside of my bed to see a vast mountain around me, it's like, yeah, <laughs> life, <laughs> life is beautiful. I am blessed. And <laughs> And it's just uh, like that feeling that's like constant gratitude, which is like going back to, I was forced to share it because like, God has kept giving me all this. Like, okay, now you got to share what you received. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yes, definitely. And so like, these videos is going into these things because it's just so, so crucial that we all take up even a, it's a little bit of something like just intermittent fasting each day, you know, just cutting out one meal a day instead of, even three or four meals a day, eat three meals and just slight, slight changes, all that needs to be made initially. And you'll see going from three to two meals or doing no meditation to five minutes of meditation each day, like this a world of difference. And that's really kind of essence what my YouTube channel was about was like, you don't need to be in a perfect environment to start changing your environment. And that's what we see is like people are like, oh, I'll wait to meditate once I am calm and peaceful. It's like, <laughs> that's never going to happen, brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> Until you start meditating. Mm-hmm. And so that same light's like, 
oh, I will start fasting and doing these things once I'm healthy. It's like you do these things to get healthy. Mm-hmm. You do these practices to get to that state of consciousness. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, that's just kind of the thing. It's like I'll wait time in the community to start diving into these things. It's like, no, I'll bring the community to you if that's the case. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Like nothing ventured, nothing gained, you know, no risk, exactly. no reward. But yeah, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always, always talk about that. Like, just do something, any little small adjustment because mm-hmm. you disrupt that unconscious or you disrupt that pattern, that cycle. And then mm-hmm. you're able to, you know, shift the momentum. And as you talked about earlier, and I always talk about, you know, everything is energy, everything is vibration. And we have so much more control than we give ourselves credit for. We, you know, tend to look outside of ourselves or give attention to things outside of ourselves and not claim the power that we have. But, you know, we do have the ability to magnetize to us that which is good for us. And we have the ability to repel away from us. Um, And one thing we find is that when we start vibrating in a certain way, we naturally repel certain energies from us that need to be um, kept away from us. Yes, yes. And that just it's great because it's like we start to see from, when we start functioning from this paradigm, then it's like we know that nature, the universe only ever wants what's best for us. Mm-hmm. And so much we have this view of like survival as opposed, as opposed to thriving. And it's like, we don't live in a scarce world. We don't live in a world where man is the people, people are out to get man with nature's out to get us. And it's like, <laughs> all these things create this idea of like, one, one has to do everything on their own because everyone else is against them. Mm-hmm. And then once you start vibrating, once you just start, you become more vibrant, then it's like, oh my God, this, the universe wants the best for me. And it's like, anything I put forward, it wants to uh, receive, it wants to come through with. And we start to see like what what was happening before was I was just putting forth negativity and the universe just wants to accomplish whatever we want to give it. And so it's like, if you want negative energy, then we shall bring you negative energy. (laughs) (laughs) And with the same light, it's like, if you're vibrant, if you want peace, if you want expansion, then every, all your circumstances, you'll start to see it's, expansiveness you'll start to see everything once you look at it properly is a way to expand the consciousness a way to become more vibrant mm-hmm. and from that place it's like a, a dance because it's like it's you and nature spirit and nature dancing together is like everything that comes up is just another opportunity another chance for growth as opposed to oh my god why did this come up no i have to deal with it blah 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 it's like no this is not something i have to deal with this is something i have to experience Mm. And so it's like words themselves that we have to start dealing with here. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh my God. You have just said so much and that's just boom. (laughs) That is is it right there. You know, the universe is conspiring on your behalf. You know, we just have to believe that, believe that you live in a friendly universe, you know, a benevolent Mm -hmm. universe that does want the best for you, you know? So, wow. Well, 
I have just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And as you know, I could talk to you for hours, but <laughs> um, for the sake of this episode, tell everybody where they can follow you. Um, what are your social media handles and all that good stuff? Definitely. And so um, for my, my thing you can probably follow me the most on is I Instagram IG at um, Mashita Mooney and you can search it up. It'd be hard to find other people like me <laughs> with my name. <laughs> and uh, YouTube, the same, Mashida Mooney. And I would love to just share on here, this is my project I've been working with because this is also part of where you can follow me at and just where I'll be most present on in the future, which is, as I was mentioning, this, this divine culture thing and it has expanded to forming an organization called the Cultivators of Light. And the, as the, by the name, each of us is cultivators because we are conscious of our role as human beings to cultivate within and without. And so anyone who is conscious of their own growth within and without to me is a cultivator. Mm -hmm. And this cultivator of light aspect is that we all been planted with the seed of light. And it's like for all of us, we want to expand and shine forth with this light, you know, for the world and just just cast away the darkness and so the cultivators of light what we want to what we're focusing on is bringing forth this divine culture bringing forth this this ideal of harmony this ideal of community living this ideal of living off the land this, this, this sustainable living is really the essence where it comes down to and part of what the work is is um we want to start traveling as well and work with certain Native American tribes and other communities to help create spaces for certain indigenous tribes who want to go back to the land better. So helping provide them with trees and other natural resources that can help re re revitalize their culture, bring divine culture to their space, as well as other communities along the way that we are in contact with and helping them with their own projects. And so we also are forming a website and it, um, I'll let you know until probably afterwards and you can put it down. It's still in the works, but I just want to share it now because we also have IG forming and you can, you can just see right now the basic framework of the website and you'll and get a good idea of what's going on here. Awesome. And yeah, and so, and then the last thing about that is like, yeah, we said we're trying to travel around and we want to officially establish a community at some point, but essentially what the website and what this is all about is like bringing the community to you guys. And so with the website is the information on like, um, we have some information on yoga, we have information on lifestyle and how to live kind of small little ebook thing for people to read. Oh, 12, 20 pages or so. Um, we have a seven-day raw food plan, so you can start being creative with like um, cauliflower rice. Um, what was it? We did some curry, some avocado soup. I mean, just stuff to play with there. And just kind of the whole idea is like to tap into this new way of being, which is like the ancient way of being, because we're also promoting art content you know, spiritualizing art. So bringing forth music with spiritual vibrations and all of it. It's like, we're trying to create a culture here and a culture that's very much needed in the world. And so the website, just the platform for that at the moment. And each day you'll see it getting more and more organized, but just be on the lookout for that. 
Beautiful. I love it. So I will put all of that information in the show notes so folks will be able to look you up. And I just want to thank you so much for all that you've shared. I want to thank you for being who you are and just I'm so proud of you and I just love you so much. And thank you for being on the show today. No, thank you, Auntie. This is amazing because I've always it's very it's always helpful to share because you always forget just the little things that bless us and the little things you know that we not to take for granted but it's like we have just assimilated within ourselves and so it just become a constant and so to be able to just share my experience in ashram is a great example it was just able to allow me to review just the beauty of life really because in hindsight we see so much of uh, the work of the divine at play mm-hmm. and so just be able to look back and just my experiences and get new insights it's a, a very beautiful opportunity as well as just to you know be able to share on such a platform is also just wonderful so thank you and always infinite love and light <laughs> love and light to you as well Wow, what an amazing conversation. And having heard it on more than one occasion, I'm amazed at just how rich the conversation was and just how many takeaways there were. And when we first recorded this episode, um, Mashida was 21. He is now 22 on his way to 23. And He has been doing so much with his Cultivators of Light that I cannot wait to have him back on for season three, where we'll be talking about some of his adventures and some of his lessons. So here are some takeaways. Number one, cultivate your own environment through meditation. We have so many opportunities to co-create this life that we're living. And meditation is an amazing, necessary starting point. Number two, fasting allows us to listen to our bodies more intently and the benefits go way beyond the physical. Fasting is prescribed and fasting and prayer in particular is so beneficial. Number three, people don't grow plants. Plants grow people. Listen, listen, listen. I hope that that quote in itself has been the biggest takeaway (laughs) if you take nothing else away from this episode the idea of listening is a recurring theme and we can all learn so much by listening to what our own bodies are telling us by listening to nature by listening to things that are enriching to us and so i hope that today has been one of those things Listening to this podcast has been one of those things that has enriched your day. 
Do me a favor. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Even if you can just think of one person who might benefit from hearing this episode in particular. And if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast so that you can be notified every time a new episode comes out. You can also post a screenshot of the podcast and tag me on my Instagram. It's Niamma underscore sings. And I will be so happy to give you a shout out. You can also write a positive review of the podcast so that other people can find it. And lastly, if you feel so inclined, you can become a supporter of the podcast at any financial amount that feels aligned to you. I know that you have many, many options when it comes to your podcast, and I'm so grateful and thankful that you have taken time out of your day to listen to this one. And so, as I always do, I want to wish you peace and love and have a beautiful and blessed day and see you back here for season three on May the 4th.